0: you are listening to the fantasy joes podcast your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty and now here are your hosts trey barrett will greenwood and ryan livergood
1: that's right we are the fantasy joes i'm at rota librarian ryan livergood and a lot of fun things going on in illinois we've got uh gaming opening up here sports gambling They've legalized cannabis. It's it's craziness here in Illinois. What's going on in the home office in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Will Greenwood?
2: We're having a balmy week up here. Windows are steaming up. Uh, We've got the AC pumping hard because of the poppy, the Bernese Mountain Dog. She gets a little warm in this summer heat. She has stopped walking with our dog walker, so one of her favorite uh, activities during the day has been shortened because she just lays down because it's too hot outside. But – with that what that means is it's just a, a better overall time here. People are happier. The general mood is, is better in the office and the home office. It's been a, it's been a good week.
1: That's great. And the hotter it gets, the more further we get into summer, the closer we get to fall and real football. And Trey Barrett in North Carolina. What about your summer so far? How's it going? It's
0: been it's been nice, man. We actually just had a little. We we had about a week where temperatures were in the the mid to high 80s, and even I think we hit the low 90s a couple weeks back. And and this week it's been very nice. Highs have been in the, like, low 80s, high 70s. It's been very, very nice, some some gorgeous weather. Looking forward to it, man. I, I, saw, I saw a post the other day. This is college football related. You know, go Gators. I, th- I think I saw something that was like 90 days until uh, the Gators season opener. I'm like, man, football is getting – close obviously like training camp for the nfl it's right around the corner the, you know the the news alerts the sleeper alerts are are man they're going to be inundating us which we love the Devonte parker hype is coming
1: and <laughs> it's already started i saw something today but but let's not go there Let, <laughs> let's know what something else is going to happen you know you're sleeper too another year you're, you're, <laughs> you're rookie drafts may or may not still be going on but what's probably happening is some startups you got some startup drafts some startup auctions so what we decided to do is to do a fantasy joe's mock draft a super flex mock draft but this time we did it a little differently we all three took teams and what we're going to talk about tonight is not the overall draft but we're going to talk about how we built our three individual teams and there's a little bit of a twist to this we went into it picking a strategy that we wouldn't necessarily have done going into a real startup. So this is a mock draft and it's kind of a mock approach to these drafts and what we learned from a different type of approach. And I think it's a good thought exercise because you may have something that you're comfortable doing. Maybe every draft you go into it's productive struggle. Uh, Maybe you go into every draft, you build a win now team and you forget everything later if if, whether it works or not the first year. Uh, So we all took approaches we don't take and, and it kind of, was interesting we asked some people that we know in our leagues and our, our league chats to join us so you know you've we got a couple of people that are quote industry folks we, we have some hardcore dynasty players such as yourselves a nice group of people everyone has been playing dynasty for a while that wasn't involved in this mock draft it was a great group it was a great group and a fun group a group that really cared about the mock draft which we which we love so people really engaged. this isn't something other than the one auto pick that i made because i was busy that day uh everyone made their picks I took it seriously wah, wah. But, but anyway let's get to it we're not gonna i'm gonna quickly read through pick by pick until we get to our teams trey you picked out of the 105 so i think you had the best draft slot of all the joes right
0: yes Yes, that's correct i, I had the fifth pick
1: and then um and you, what was your team uh called trey my team
0: was <laughs> uh trey's ridiculously sexy roster
1: all right hashtag trey's ridiculously sexy roster
0: it was trending
2: on Twitter for a while during this mock draft.
1: <laughs> and, Will, you had the 108s. And what was your team called?
2: Firing out of the hit from the 108 spot comes Will Greenwood with, you calling this draft a phony? I don't know if you guys ever watched uh, – I think it was a uh, family guy back in the day where he got called a phony quite a bit. I thought it was Futurama. But he made like a magic trick where like he took away his thumb. It was a joke. And some guy, like, called him out the rest of the episode as a phony. So I thought,
1: you call him this draft a phony? <laughs> I, I like it. We had some great – Obscure great, reference. <laughs> we had some great team names. Um, uh, to Kill a Mocking Draft, Fat, Drunk, and Stupid um, among them. And you had my team picking out the 110. I was numero uno, el club imitation de futebol americano. We were kind of spread on this draft. It started with franchise six, the most original name, and they went with DeAndre Hopkins, which I thought was interesting. This is a super flex draft. We should say you start 10. uh, You can start, obviously, up to two QBs. You have to start two running backs. You have to start two wide receivers, one tight end. The rest can be flex. So DeAndre Hopkins um, went first. Then Patrick Mahomes, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and then Trey, you're up at the 105. So those guys go off the board. You're faced with a decision here. What did you do and why?
0: Well, this was a pretty easy decision for me. Um, Patrick Mahomes is off the board, and and this early, uh, for me, uh, I, well, I guess are we, we're going to talk about our strategies, right?
1: Yeah, I, I should have I asked should... you that first. So, yeah. <laughs> first of all, what strategy? <laughs> yeah,
2: carry on, Johnson. That's just questions. I was okay, tempted. No. What was the strategy, Trey?
0: So my strategy was, and and it's it, it was a very um, good exercise because. I, I utilized the strategy. strategy. It was, it's kind of like a strategy and a tragedy combined in one. I used a strategy that I normally <laughs> wouldn't use. And basically, I wasn't especially following any particular model as far as when I was going to take certain positions. I was basically going to take the guy that I kind of felt like was the best player available, right? The BPA uh, strategy. And so at this point, for me, it was a really – Really easy pick. Um, Zeke Elliott would have probably been tempting, who ended up going to pick after me. But literally, um, Christian McCaffrey in a full PPR setting um, was the pick. And yeah, I just, for me, obviously, Beckham was still on the board. There was some temptation there and, and also some temptation with Zeke. But I just feel like McCaffrey maybe is a little safer. Um, and I think that the longevity with McCaffrey is probably a little greater and the way that he's being used, and so I went with the uh, CMC home state pick.
1: Yeah, I, I love the pick. We're not. We're gonna. We're gonna go pretty quickly here because we've got 16 rounds to go through. I, I like CMC there. You know, uh, Zeke scares me with his antics. So, uh, but he did go.
2: I think in the first round too, there just isn't as many questions. Sorry. So, yeah.
1: No, you're we'll right. You're about right. These no, fans. you can't. Yeah, you're right. You can't go wrong. So um, Zeke went to 106. Beckham 107. Will, with the 108, you took Michael Thomas,
2: wide receiver, New Orleans Saints. So, this goal, my strategy coming into it is I, I think I've been a big proponent of and tried to show that I'm a really big three down running back fan. And I think that you should take those guys that you think have that capability to really boost your, your points per week up more than what uh, even a running back 12 versus a, you know, the running back three overall is a massive gap. So, in this draft, I'm pivoting to a different strategy. So, I'm fading running backs. Hard to show what a team kind of looks like, and there there's a little bit more uh change later on the draft, but in uh, in general, I wasn't going to draft a running back until the fifth round at the earliest. maybe six was was kind of what I was thinking is I'm just going to let everybody else go and, and see where I end up and see what I think is going to be the best value at those picks so that is why here I went michael thomas uh, he's already proven that he's elite, he's also the alpha. I chose him over the next pick uh, Juju Smith Schuster because I think he's proven himself more as a wide receiver one on a team overall. And if that quarterback situation changes, I still think as long as Sean Payton there, that offense is together, he's going to be a mega producer for the years to come. Uh, you guys know I was a big Michael Thomas fan going into last year and I still am. And it could be a potential point to get out on, on, peak value, but I think it here, it, it was kind of a mix, but he was what, I landed on for a core piece of that, that this, this squad.
1: Yeah, you can't go wrong. Like we said, first round, these picks are all solid, just like Juju was at the one hundred and nine. So at the one hundred and ten, um, it was my pick. And before I say who I picked, I'm going to talk about my the strategy. And my strategy was just win now. I never do this going into my leagues. I may have some some teams where I'll build them sort of to win now, um, but but obviously had some youth. I'm really a proponent of productive struggle. I know some people are kind of off of that, but I think that it works really well. In the Superflex League, I want to grab my quarterbacks early. The other thing I did here is I knew when now it's Superflex, I was going to grab some old guys late. So that was my plan at the QB situation, and I typically never do that. So I went with Todd Gurley at the 110. Uh, Not exactly an old guy, but certainly a guy that's getting a lot of buzz right now. There's some questions about – his bell comeback back status, but I thought, you know, this is win now. And even if Todd Gurley is 75% of himself this year, he's a solid asset for my team. So I went Todd Gurley. After Todd Gurley, um, two more picks in the first round, Andrew Luck and Devonte Adams starting at, in the second round at the two Oh one, you've got Mike Evans. Then you've got Deshaun Watson at the two Oh two. And then the two Oh three, I'm, I'm on the clock again. Once again, and win now. Right before
2: we go to the thing of note is those two teams both went. One team went two quarterbacks. One team went two wide receivers. Just to keep in mind for later in the draft.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And it's into, uh, Fish's mocks on, um, yeah, Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson. I, I, I like. I, I kind of like starting uh, my teams the way he started his team. I think that's interesting. Or, or going the two wide receivers. I like that kind of approach too. There's a guy that. You sometimes can find in a first round in a draft like this. And that's Melvin Gordon. I know, I think as a consensus, the fantasy Joe's guys, is it fair to say that we're worried about his value beyond this year? I think, you know, we think he's going to produce this year if he stays healthy, but I think after this year, we're kind of nervous about him. I know I am anyway, but once again, I want to win now. I don't really care about next year. So start off with Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon as my one-two punch at, at running back. I'm pretty happy about that. I mean, and I'm not when I look at this team later. I, I, I'll spoiler alert. I don't like the team as a dynasty team. <laughs> but from, for, for my it. for my philosophy, for, for this win now approach, you know, it's 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 good good start for that.
2: Easily two top three running backs though. Potential.
1: Potential. Potential. Then you got um, the hotness that is Baker Mayfield, the fourth QB off the board, and Will, you're back up with the 205. And Thank this you. is gonna, this could
2: potentially sound like a broken record again, fading running backs really hard here. But I was actually pretty excited. I was gonna take Deshaun Watson. That was one guy I was I was eyeballing here to kind of mix it up a little bit with what I've done in drafts past. And I think you get this effect a lot when you're doing a mock draft, is that you might not be taking the player that you would actually take on the clock if you had no ability to trade down or do any sort of movement. But I took one of my favorite quarterbacks uh, for the near term and long term in Russell Wilson. Uh, to me, that was a very easy pick overall in the super flex and fading running backs. He's, he's only 30. He just signed a longer term contract. And they're giving him some more weapons. I mean, he, they lost quite a few last year, but maybe that'll you know have him running a little bit more coming this year. But uh, – super safe in my opinion and that's why i took them.
1: Yeah and and they want to open up the field a little bit more too. The SA lost lost Baldwin but with DK Metcalf and even a guy like Gary Jennings who you know those guys can stretch the field it's going to be interesting cuz they they did get give him some more weapons and they prioritize that. Well, you said something really interesting and something we almost always, you know, preface our these mocks with is that you can't trade, all of us like to trade around, we like to trade back a lot. Um So, you know, we didn't say that, you know, the the trading back is not an option, but one thing I want to ask you guys, observation, is it getting harder to trade back? Is that just becoming more and more the thing that everyone wants to do? Or is that my imagination?
2: I haven't done a snake startup draft in a while. Give me them auctions, but I would assume so.
1: I don't
0: think it's as, it's still possible. I, I continue to be convinced that you have to be very active in sending out multiple trade offers. But I've done a couple startup drafts in the last 90 days, and I've still been able to trade down. I, I will have to say that the 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 price of, you know, being able to sell your first round pick for a second, third, and a future first is more challenging because I think 2020 first round picks are being slightly overvalued, especially when you're considering a super flex format, which, you know, if if – if we're talking about that, then that's what, we're, I mean, we're, we're not doing any one quarterback leagues essentially at this point. So I, I think that it's becoming, you have to get a little more creative. There's also a lot of people that I find are less likely to do like a three for one or three for two or four for two, right? Most people kind of want to get back however many picks they're giving you. So getting like a third and a fifth for a first or a third and a fifth for a second, it's a little harder. They, they want, you know, they want to send a third and a fifth for like a second and a seventh. Um, which, which is fine. I think that you can still mine some value there. Um, but uh, essentially for me, I, I always like to be able to gain a pick.
2: And I think that was one of the best tips that came from talking with Jordan. And it was almost a subtle comment as we were chatting. When he said when it comes to moving, like, you know, picks around and potentially losing picks, like later in the draft, he said he would rather easily lose a round in value then lose that second pick that's being tacked on and I think that's something I've never really considered or thought about or used that strategy when trading down and that that's really stuck with me and when trading back don't forget that those those kind of things really do end up mattering pretty heavily
1: yeah those picks are so valuable it's another opportunity to hit on a player And just another asset you have in your pocket, extra picks. You can, you know, you can keep them in the bank and and cash them in for for players later when you need them. So, moving right along, the 206, Joe Mixon. um, And then at the 207, Nick Chubb. So, two younger, exciting running backs off the board. And Trey is back up here with the 208. You've already got CMC. Who are you going to pair with CMC, Trey?
0: Well, once again, best player available. This was a landslide, no questions asked. Super easy pick for me. I took Aaron Rodgers. He was the sixth quarterback off the board. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, I think, you know, assuming health, a lock for top three production for the next, you know, three to five years. And, I, obviously, I see some of the glamour associated with Watson and Mayfield being taken ahead of him given their age. But you just cannot argue. I, I don't think we need to rehash the fantasy finishes that Aaron Rodgers has put up. I do think that there, he has a little bit more. He's a guy I've acquired in a lot of startups this year because he's being devalued. I think that people kind of are underestimating the, the change in offense that's taking place there. You know, I think that it's been very well documented, Mike McCarthy's lack of creativity in, in an NFL where offensive creativity is becoming super important. So I, I love Aaron Rodgers. So, to be able to get him toward the back end of the second round in a super flex startup is just incredible for me. So, it was an easy pick.
2: And I think we're forgetting a lot of Aaron Rodgers' upside with rushing. He used to be quite the quite the scrambler and would put up points on the ground. Uh, last year, he dinged up that knee really early. So, if that, that short-term memory loss uh, about his rushing upside, definitely. This is a great pick.
1: Yeah, I, I like the to pick, too, Aaron Rodgers' is- – Trust me, I I see him at least twice a year as a Bears fan, and the, and the guy is he's one of the best in the game. So and he's gonna have a bounce back here. Remember, he was he was playing hobbled all of last year, and he's got this new offense. This system's gonna be so much better for him. Um, yeah, they didn't add too many weapons on offense, but all the guys they had, they're a year older. They're gonna be better. All those those you know rookie wide receivers will be better. It's gonna they're gonna be a good team. Their defense is gonna be better too. We'll look out for them in the NFC North. Kind of a dark horse, really. Um, okay. So moving right along, the rest of the second round, you got Dalvin Cook, you got Carson Wentz, Travis Kelsey, Le'Veon Bell. Top of the third round at the 301, you got Dak Prescott, Julio Jones, Cam Newton, David Johnson, and Trey, you're back up again at the 305. Who's the best value on the board here?
0: Yeah, and, and, and once again, just a, a very easy pick for me. All, all three of my first-round picks, it got tougher in round four, but this was, a, again, you know, James Conner was sitting there. I, I took James Conner with my third selection. I would never start uh, a dynasty PPR draft with three picks and not have a wide receiver. It, w- it would just be like a travesty. It would make me sweat profusely. Um, but it was just uh, very easy. You know, the, the wide receivers I was looking at here were in that like Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs, Amari Cooper range. And I just kind of felt like, that a guy like Connor would be a much bigger difference maker. You know, Connor has top five running back upside. As we all know, last year, I mean, he was a top three running back when he started suffering with injuries toward the end of the year. And so, obviously, the usage there in Pittsburgh, and I think that offense is going to continue to churn, even without Antonio Brown. Um, So, I I love being able to get a guy like James Connor, who's still relatively, relatively young. I still think has some years ahead of him. And if you can stay healthy, I think top, you know, it I would not surprise me whatsoever if, you know, eight months from now he is back in the, you know, top 10 or 15. He was earlier this offseason. He's, he's kind of slid. He was, he was really kind of hanging out in the second round and has kind of just slid back um, into the third round. So it was a, was a pretty awesome value for me at that point. Best player available again. Pretty easy pick.
1: After that, his old teammate went off the board at the 306, Antonio Brown. Uh, then Keenan Allen and Stefan Diggs. Oh, wait. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Will, I just I just uh, announced your pick. I apologize. All no, mystery I, gone. 308, Stephon Diggs. I ruined it for, for <laughs> the audience. You, why, why'd you take Diggs there? Hey, everybody. Faded running
2: backs. You'll never guess who <laughs> I picked here. Uh, I put in the notes for this, You know, coming to this episode, this is fist-pumping action for me. The one thing I dislike is I got sniped by Keenan Allen. Uh, I'm really high on Keenan Allen coming into this next year. I think he's going to have A a massive target share still there. And I think Mike Williams coming into fruition only helps, doesn't hurt, uh, with with Keenan Allen being the route runner and the connection that he has with Rivers overall. So, anyway, my plan here is I'm taking Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen goes the pick before me. So, now I'm on the clock in a mock draft. We're going to spend a lot of time sitting there on the clock and, like, wearing things down because you're trying to go through this. But to me, it was a slight, you know, half step down. Same tier, in my opinion, was to go with Stephen Diggs. I think he hasn't reached his peak yet. His upper tra- tra- trajectory uh, is still really high. The, end of the way he ended last year, and with Kirk Cousins coming in as a new quarterback, I think we forget that pretty quickly because he's a veteran. It's still a new offense, and then they changed offenses midseason. Uh, it was not a great situation on the Vikings' offensive side for production, and he took what the changes and excelled with it. So I think moving into next year, I'm very, very high on Stephen Diggs. And so, to me, this was uh, – at the, at the 308, I was very excited to get him because he is – he's almost at tear break. I think I'd put Amari Cooper in there with him, like looking at the rest of the board uh, as he goes later on. But uh, I, I, dig, yeah, I, dig, I, was, I was very excited about grabbing Diggs.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a – he's a nice grab here. And um, I, I think the pick after Diggs is, is interesting. It's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is the QB10. Uh, he goes at the the 309 and and I, I like it i I like taking keller murray i'm pretty high on keller murray as as our audience knows and then, then i'm up after this pick so i'm looking at two guys with the 310 remember i'm the win now team i've got todd Gurley and melvin gordon and two guys stand out in my mind for win now and it's it's aj green and it's uh well, actually three guys, A.J. Green, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle. I'm like, I, I want to get one of those tight ends, one of those big three tight ends. That would be a nice addition to my team. And I'm thinking, you know, if I don't take one of them here, I'm going to lose them. Uh, you know, the next – w- those guys are going to go um, in the next four picks. And maybe there's a chance that A.J. Green will be on the board. So I took Zach Ertz. I took Ertz over Kittle. I just feel – I just have more faith in, in Zach Ertz um, in 2019. So – and, and really, probably beyond. I, I have I have some. I think Kittle obviously is still going to be good, but I think he's he's going to regress uh, a little bit. So Zach Ertz is my pick here. And I was uh, not pleasantly surprised, but I was pleased because after I took Ertz, at the end of the third round, Amari Cooper and Kerryon Johnson went off the board. Um, and Kerryon Johnson's a guy that I would have been pr- probably pretty interested in here if I wasn't this win-now strategy, right? I think, uh, you know, that's a great value for carry-on. I'm starting to get a little bit higher on carry-on, I think after listening to Trey <laughs> pound the table for him the past <laughs> several weeks. But but anyway, and then um, you had uh, Brandon Cooks go and George Kittle. So at the 403, I take A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green's going to have a big year this year. Obviously, it comes down to health. I think that Cincinnati, is, Cincinnati offense is going to be pretty good um, with that new system, so... I'm happy. That's that's my wide receiver one, A.J. Green. So, I got Gurley, Gordon, Ertz, and Green to start. And the draft goes on after that. So, Josh Jacobs goes. <laughs> there's no comments. I I've, I've forgot. So, Josh Jacobs goes. And then, Will, you're back on the clock. You got two wide receivers. You've got a stud quarterback, Russell Wilson. What are you going to do here?
2: What are we, We're in the, the fourth round, so we're going at the 405. I am, again, fading running backs. And to me, there was a clear option here and it was Jared Goff at at quarterback. Uh, Quite a few QBs have come off the board at this point. I think him with Sean McVay, he at least has uh, this year and then the next year coming up where he can still produce and hopefully work towards the next contract with what they have with the Rams. And now solidified uh, two good, really, like two, in my mind, elite young wide receivers, and now two pretty high-end quarterbacks. I don't want to say that they're – like. Russell Wilson has the potential with rushing to be the number one, but Jared Goff has, you know, to me, you know, 10th quarterback overall could be his like downside.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like that. I think your, your assessment of Goff is, is accurate. The 406 was Leonard Fournette, um, then Adam Thielen, and um, Adam Thielen, I said Thielen. I don't know why, and uh, Trey <laughs> with the 408s um you've got McCaffrey Rogers and and James Connor uh, who you got with the 408 who you can add to your lineup here
0: yeah this this I remember being this this was the first pick really that I had to kind of stop and think and essentially I was sitting here looking at uh quarterback versus wide receiver at wide receiver it was clearly the guy that I took um and at quarterback there were a couple guys that I was eyeing And I looked and, you know, the guys that were kind of going, because I was doing a little wraparound, right? There were going to be eight picks between my my two picks here. And so, you know, one of those four teams already had two quarterbacks. Um, Two of them had one quarterback and one had no quarterback. So I definitely was nervous that some quarterbacks were going to go, but I felt like there was a pretty significant tear drop after T.Y. Hilton at the wide receiver position. T.Y. Hilton is is now again finally playing um, in one of the best offenses with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's one of the best wide receivers. He just consistently churns out 1,000-yard seasons. Never been a big touchdown guy, but just a consistent, solid, you know, top 10 to 12 wide receiver as far as production. He is 29, but again, my, my model was not going to be based on youth, but, but more on really, truly the best player available. And, and for me, I, uh, it was a, a pretty easy selection uh, of T.Y. Hilton because I felt like if I did not take T.Y. Hilton, I, I felt the chances that uh, he would make it back to me were pretty pretty small. So uh, T.Y. Hilton was the pick. I finally got my uh, wide receiver. It was no longer sweating profusely.
1: <laughs> after uh, T.Y. Hilton, and I agree, you look at the wide receivers after this, I think in terms of... Um, just, you know, you know, pure, pure production uh, despite age. I think T.Y. Hilton is your – kind of your, like your last guy that you feel is probably a pretty solid wide receiver one. Uh, not, not that the other wide receivers are bad after this. There's some really quality wide receivers, but uh, they have more questions. So uh, Matt Ryan went at the 409. Uh, Sonny Michelle went at the 410, which I was a little bit surprised. RB 16. I, I, you know, that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, it's a little, a little rich for my blood. Uh, He's Marlon, worth way more. He's worth way more, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Marlon Mack, another guy. man. RV are we 17 off the board? Uh, you know, the, the, that's – people are really starting to buy into Marlon Mack there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, but, but I think that's interesting too. And then uh, Kenny Galladay at the 412. So we'll, we'll probably have to pick up the pace here, guys. We'll probably – do we want to, like, start grabbing, like, you know, next four picks at a time, I think. Um, but before we do that, I want to ask you if you can pick – um any of our three starts like like how you would usually do it let's say this was a real league and we can all pick the same thing if we want to it doesn't matter which start would you pick um of these teams so will i'll put you on the spot first any of these three teams you, you can have your start you can have obviously trey's team with McCaffrey, rogers connor hilton or you could have my start with Gurley, gordon Ertz, and aj green
2: uh i'll out of this mix uh, i'm gonna take trey's I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the James Conner pick, but at that at that value, it's fine. Um, but Gurley, Gordon, Ertz, and Green is putting a lot into this upcoming season, uh, which is you're the win now, you know? Mo Green, yeah. Uh, and you guys know I like to like try to move and shake uh, around during the season and in the offseason. So I feel like you're having guys who are being devalued, Ryan. And so you have four assets that are going to be very difficult to trade uh, versus on the other side with, with McCaffrey, I'd even move him to move back potentially in a running back spot and, and add something else to the team. If somebody's really interested in things like that. So I'll, I'll go Trey.
1: Agreed. And, and that's a good point. And I know Trey's not going to take my start. I wouldn't take my start. Once again, this is just a, you know, a, a market experiment. If we have any new uh, people, new to dynasty listening um, you know, we get new listeners all the time. Um, If you're new, this is an example of why you don't want to draft this way. This is not redraft, this is dynasty because this start may sound exciting now. I think, I think, I think for 2019, I think this start is as good as any, right? Gurley, Gordon, Ertz, and AJ Green. But a couple of guys get hurt. Let's say Gurley really is, you know, not himself. And let's say Melvin Gordon, uh, heaven forbid, has an injury that keeps him up for the year. All of a sudden, I'm no longer a contender. And I've got all these older assets on my team that are going to be much harder to sell if I need to look to rebuild. So yeah, just be real careful. Um, <laughs> with that tray, which team are you going to take? Um, which roster?
0: I actually would take Wills. Um, you know, I, I'm not too prone to invest in running back that heavily that early. So, you know, I, I love the fact that in Wills first four picks, he got two solid wide receiver ones. And two solid quarterback ones, and you know, three of those four guys. I mean, Wilson's not old by any stretch, but you know, the other three guys, Golf, Diggs, and Thomas, are all you know basically just kind of coming into their prime. Um, you know, Golf probably hasn't even really kind of scratched the surface of his prime, and and he's you're looking at probably 10 years of production for him. So, for me, it would be pretty easily Wills, um, and, and honestly, that w- Wills could could be one that I would favor even if I had the choice of any of the 12 teams' first uh, first four-round starts.
1: Very good. And, and I, too, would take Will's team. For me, I, I value getting quarterbacks. And I know that that's changing. Maybe this year it's changing a little bit where you can wait. You certainly can wait on quarterback, as we see in this draft, and be okay. But I really like to scare those quarterbacks early. I like to have a so- solid core of quarterbacks on my flex teams and to get those two sub wide receivers because it's just harder to get they're more reliable I mean that's the thing you know you look at the running backs that get taken early um, especially in the second round you know like I um, you know rather have uh, a Michael Thomas or a Diggs than um, you know long term than a Joe Mixon who I really like or Nick Chubb I, or Dalvin Cook heaven forbid I mean I love those running backs but I just think you there's questions about how their longevity in the league, whereas. You know, Michael Thomas, with or without Drew Brees, he's going to be a stud for a long time, and that guy's a technician, so he's going to have value for a long, long time. Okay, so let's pick up the pace. We're not—I don't think we are going to read picks through through each round. I think that's just going to take too long. I think what we should do is just take the next next four or five picks at a time that um, we made and talk about why we made those picks, maybe some decisions we made along the way, and just our thought process. So. Trey, you want to go first? So you've got McCaffrey, Rogers, Connor, and Hilton. And who did you go with after that? How did you keep building this team?
0: Well, I talked about the last pick kind of going back and forth between Hilton and a quarterback. And so I was pretty ecstatic. You know, Ryan and Cousins went. I would have considered Cousins. I don't dislike Ryan, but I'm excited about Jameis Winston. I know that this is kind of a make-or-break year for him. But I think that everything is on the table for him. I mean, the upside is immense. He has a ton of weapons. He has Bruce Arians coming in, who I think, you know, this is this is his shot. And so, obviously, there's a chance that he is not a sorting carter, starting quarterback in the league in a couple of years. But I think there's also a starting chance he's a, you know, top 20 startup pick this time next year. So, Jameis Winston was my pick in round five. In round six, I took Devonta Freeman, who, for me, I think going into this year and in, in redraft mine, you know, like as far as truly best player available with, with, you know, Tevin Coleman, not there. If Devontae Freeman could stay healthy, I think top 10 running back is almost a guarantee for him. That offense, I think last year did incredibly well under um, Sarkeesian in his second year as offensive coordinator there. I I think that the, the the arrows pointing up on that offense. And I think Devontae Freeman as my RB three was excellent value in round seven and eight, I went back to back wide receivers. I, I took Will Fuller in round seven. I think that Will Fuller has an incredible connection with uh, Deshaun Watson, and if you look at his production, when he's been healthy, that's the big key, is when he's been healthy, but I think he's, you know, a guy that has immense upside, and then I went with Tyree Kill in the eighth round, you know, a little bit of a risky pick here, but obviously, you know, I, I went later at wide receiver than I normally would have, so, you know, uh, essentially, you know, the next wide receiver that went after him was was DK Metcalf, and then, you know, Dante Pettis, A.J. Brown, so, you know, to add a third wide receiver and get a guy with the upside of Tyreek Hill, I mean, he's not even been suspended yet, and, you know, the Chiefs haven't cut him, so there's a potential that maybe he does serve four to six games suspension, maybe they cut him, but, I mean, 24 years old with his talent, I have a hard time not seeing an NFL team out there not give him a chance, so, obviously, you know, I I don't like what he did, but, the upside to get a guy like him in the eighth round. I mean, he, he was going in the top, you know, 12 to 15 picks, uh, in this draft six months ago. So I, I just couldn't pass on that upside there in the eighth round.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think with Tyreek Hill, I mean, I'm not going to go out and acquire him. I think you're taking tremendous risk, but it is all about cost. And if you look at who's on the board here in the eighth round, if you're looking for upside, you know, you can make the argument that DK Metcalf is a better pick because he has quite a bit of upside himself, but there are some questions about DK Metcalf and, you know, looking at the wide receivers around, I think it's uh, you know probably good good place to take Tyreek Kill if you're going to make that, you know, make that bet. Um, I, I do think there's a chance that he may not ever play again, but the, we know the NFL, what, they give very flawed people with a lot of talent second, third, fourth chances. So, he probably will see the field again. It, it just, you know, what's that situation going to be like? Is it going to be in Kansas City? Who knows? He's certainly a special talent, and hopefully he is getting his issues worked out, and it, some of the stuff is not true that we're hearing. So, Will, you want to talk about your next Can, four I just picks- want to ask you a quick oh, question Sure. Question with yeah.
2: Trey in values on the board. Uh, so you're taking Will Fuller over Tyler Boyd?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: And I, I don't mind that whatsoever. I'm a big Will Fuller fan. Um, his, his knee scares me for the beginning of the year, so you're going to have to be a little bit patient. So, because Tyler Borden, to me, is a very, like, controversial asset to have. Um, so, if that's an easy for sure for you. I, I mean, I, I, I like that and agree with it.
0: Yeah, I just think Will Fuller. I mean, the injury concerns are obviously there. But, I mean, he was a first-round draft pick. He's only 25 years. old, And I like, he literally just turned 25 in April. So, I mean, he's still like, you know, he's incredibly young. Like I think that he's got immense, immense upside and he's obviously yet to play 16 games, but he plays in an outstanding offense. And I know that he's behind um, DeAndre Hopkins there as the number two wide receiver. But I think that that offense for the next two to three years is going to be Uh, incredible I think Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback and so you you know he he has proven I mean extrapolation I think is dangerous but if you look at the the games that he's what he's produced with Deshaun Watson who's been on the field over a 16 game sample you know he's a top 15 wide receiver easily um, and I think actually top 10 so I don't expect him to put up those kind of numbers but I do think that he's a, a kind of a lock if he's healthy for you know wide receiver 15 to 18 numbers, um, and, and so to get him as my wide receiver two, you know I'd rather have a little bit stronger wide receiver two, but at that point of the draft I like him a lot, and I like Tyler Boyd. I just I would just prefer prefer Fuller. His his offense and his quarterback situation is much more secure.
2: And wide receiver 30 overall in this draft too, which I think is is a really good value because yeah. and I, I can't remember where this was said. I'm not the originator of this, but. Will Fuller is Deshaun Watson's check down, but his check down is just 50 yards downfield, And I, I honestly believe it. Like when Deshaun Watson panics or is in a moment of distress, he's throwing it deep to Fuller and is just going to assume that he's out, you know, he's out, kicked the coverage uh, down the field. So when, when healthy, I, I really like his upside. So.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, that's it. If he's healthy, you're going to be really happy you have him. And I know that he has not been the picture of health in his career, but the upside is tremendous. It just is tremendous in that offense attached to Deshaun Watson. So yeah. Will, do you want to talk about your next four picks? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so when are we going to take a running back here? Is it going to be soon or no? Not as soon as I was thinking. So I just
2: didn't (laughs) like a lot of running back value on the board. So coming around at the five Oh eight I'm sitting there again, fading running backs, but I don't, I don't mind this in general. So I, I, I scooped up Robert Woods. One, I think Robert Woods is off. And statistically, it's, it doesn't really point to this when Cooper Cup was out last year. But I think coming into this year with Cooper Cup's recovery, I think Robert Woods is going to be in for a hot start to the season uh, on this Rams offense. And I'm very excited about that with his potentially maybe increasing value or just producing fantasy points for my team and winning me weeks. Uh, I'm totally okay with that. So I did take him in front of guys like, Miles Sanders, Derek Henry. And I think one of the more uh, ballpark ones that we've talked about quite a bit is Corey Davis. Uh, I would, I, and I, I would take Robert Woods over Corey Davis. That was something that went back and forth on and, and really looked at and was kind of deciding where uh, I valued him. So anyway, so I went Robert Woods at 508. At 605, uh, I came back and I took Josh Allen. So this is now this is now my third quarterback. And this is where in, in my mind, I started to pivot a little bit because I've seen everybody as fading quarterbacks, in, in my opinion, in the Superflex draft pretty hard. Um, and I wanted to put a little stamp on it because I was a big Josh Allen disbeliever. And, uh, you know, we talked about it. We were, we were on here uh, and I talked about his completion rates in college and how many people in the first rounder, first rounders who have improved that in the NFL. It's very rare. But uh, one guy uh, outside of Paul Pertichese, who, uh, is a great mind and who I really respect. Um, he's had an impact on that. And then Matt Williamson, who you know from the may know from Four 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 or the Dynasty Blueprint, has Allen has Allen as his number eleven QB overall. So I wanted to take a little bit of a reach here. What my opinion was in the quarterback realm because we're taking Josh Allen at this point at QB sixteen. So I don't even feel like I maybe mean, I don't even feel like that big of a reach at this point. So just gambling on the upside that he can improve a little bit as a passer and start to hit those you know, 10 yard routes better moving in the future. And then we wrap back around to the 708. So the picks I'm seeing going off the board, you know, we're getting a little bit of a quarterback run here, but now I am fully stamping my foot in the ground and saying, I'm going to try not to let any other team get a value on a quarterback in the later rounds. So at 708, I scooped up Matt Stafford. So that is right now my fourth quarterback in this snake draft situation. So I'm going to go ahead and put, uh, assume that in this league, I'm going to be able to move these guys. And I'm okay with waiting uh, completely with the team that I have and, and going ahead and trading for upside maybe later on. But it only takes a, a bye week or two and a loss for a team to really understand the value of a super flex in a league. So I'm starting to scoop scoop up these guys uh, as we move along. So seven eight took Matt Stafford. And he says, I mean, with with uh, the new offensive coordinator coming in, I mean, Darrell Bevel isn't the biggest – passing guy guy in the world but at least it's a change and hopefully for the better because that was a very stagnant and horrible offense uh recently and so we'll snake back around 805 to my first running back with mark ingram um if i'm fading running back i might as well go older running back with a clear path to starter touches and i think he has a really good opportunity for a big workload
1: yeah it's it's interesting i i think that um and part of me was like, uh, you, you maybe you missed some opportunities taking those quarterbacks because you didn't really need them. But then I look at your other options there, and I, I don't, I don't know if I, if I hate it. I guess we'll have to look at see what how your team ends up. Um, it, it, but and I think Josh Allen. I think there's some there's like guys in this range that, that have upside. Um, and I, I'm not. I think Josh Allen is a fine pick there a couple of other guys that are in this area, you've got Mitch Trubisky, you've got Lamar Jackson, those younger guys that, that really could pop. And they're interesting values. And and we are seeing that with these drafts now, these super flex drafts where quarterbacks are sliding down the board where you can, you can get your QB one in the sixth round. That's pretty crazy. So, um, so my, my next four picks, remember I'm this win now team Um five ten was an auto pick because I was, I think I think I I looked and I thought oh I got plenty of time until I pick again and I got busy I believe it was the weekend and then it's then like an hour or two after the clock expired I looked I'm like oh I guess I've got Damian Williams on my team <laughs> but it's not necess- it's probably a guy I would have considered great, great win now pick yeah great great win now pick because he's a guy that if he you know if he hits then I'm you know if if he is that RB one in Kansas City this year and I know some people have questions about that I'm gonna love it. I, I like Damian Williams a lot in 2019. After 2019, I don't like Damian Williams at all. So, for my one-down team, it's kind of perfect. Uh, then I needed to add a uh, second wide receiver, so I, I grabbed Cooper Cup. I am worried about his recovery, that he's, he might start off slow, but wide receiver 22, I like that in the sixth round. I'm, I'm, I, I do love me some Cooper Cup, so that's cool. Um, then in the seventh and eighth rounds, I, I got to get my quarterbacks here. Uh, quarterbacks are starting to go off the board and just like i planned i'm like i'm gonna get my veteran quarterbacks this is a one-out team i got big ben at the 710 and i was hoping that philip rivers would have came back to me he did not but drew Brees was there so i grabbed drew Brees. is the 23rd qb off the board at the 803 so i got my quarterbacks i got my running backs um you know i've, I've kind of got my my starting lineup here just almost assembled and i you know i'm if i'm win now for 2019 i'm happy beyond that maybe not so much so it, this is the most interesting thing though for me guys is the the qbs and this what, what we're i've seen this in other Superflex drafts this year too it, it, it seems to me that even in leagues where people tend to uh, would wait in the past you know after the fourth fifth round qb was tough but we're in today's NFL in this league. It's, it's really not so bad. You know, you can go, you know, even in the eighth round, you know, I took breeze, you had Marcus Marietta going, Derek Carr, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Those aren't bad options for, you know, QB two, if you had to, right. Don't up for QB three. I don't know. I just think it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I've always said that it's, it's in a super flex league. The cheapest you'll ever acquire quarterbacks is in the startup. And, you know, my, my only thought would be to, to, to get a guy like Rivers or Roethlisberger or Breeze as your quarterback too would concern me a little bit. Obviously, your strategy was win now. And and so that fit, it fits a strategy perfectly. The, the only problem with some of those quarterbacks in that range, other than, you know, those, you know, the, the Breeze, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Brady type. You know, Marcus Mariota, right? Like, if he struggles this year, does he even start the entire year? Do they extend him? You know, Derek Carr, same thing, right? Do the Raiders – We know the Raiders are going to have a top ten pick next year. John Gruden's going to be there for the next 200 years. So, there's – we know that the 2020 quarterback class has some strength at the top. So, they could very well move on from Derek Carr. You know, Dwayne Haskins, Nick Foles – are the next couple guys off the board? Then Brady and then Rosen. So you know that you're starting to get to the point. Once you pass, like even Garoppolo, I, I'm I'm not convinced of his long term. So th- there are definitely a lot of quarterbacks with warts. And so for me, even looking back, for me, even though I would have made my picks early on much differently, when I took Will Fuller, yeah, I would I would have definitely taken a quarterback there. There's no way I'm passing in the seventh round, only having two quarterbacks. I would have taken a third quarterback there. But, but again, for, you know, for me in that position, I, I wanted to take the best player available. And so, you know, uh, I was, Will Fuller was going to be my wide receiver too and starting for me every week rather than a quarterback three, which is kind of like a streaming kind of backup um, option. So, um, but, but I, I think that yes, there are more viable options and quarterback scoring has a lot to do with it too, right? If it's four points versus six points, you know, is it full PPR versus half PPR? So, you know, how, how bad is it if you end up having to only start one quarterback a few weeks throughout the NFL season, you know? And, and so, but but I always like, by the end of the seventh round, I always like to have three quarterbacks locked up. And and so for me, that's one area where I don't love my team because I ended up only with the two quarterbacks, Rodgers and Winston. And that's just way too risky. Um So...
1: Yeah, same with me. I did not end up with any more quarterbacks after I took Drew Brees, which I would never build a team this way. So and the,
2: I, the the only other um, like wind type of pick that I, that I think maybe if we went went back and redid this, it would change, would be replacing Cooper Cup with Lamar Jackson, or or some you know taking taking a quarterback because his rushing upside is immense, but his long term value is real questionable right now. And Cooper Cup to me he he tore his, uh, his knee up pretty like late into the season overall. And so I don't see him having like a hot start for a win now team would be the, would, would be a pivot.
1: Yeah. I, and I, I did think about that and I, I looked at my, my options and so Sammy Watkins went a couple of picks before cup and I really had my eyes on Sammy Watkins and, and he went. And then I looked at the other, look at the wide receivers that I went after. Cause I was, I was thinking at that point, well, I, I'm like, I still can wait on the quarterback. So I don't need a quarterback here, but I, I do need to get a, another wide receiver. I have to start two wide receivers. So I really was kind of laser focused on wide receiver. And once again, you know, th- this is not how I build teams or approach it anyway, but for this like win now team, I'm like, I, I got to pick, like I'm picking starters cause I'm just trying to win this year. So um i'm like do i want to go with chris godwin man eh, i'm starting to get a little bit higher on on his um uh, prospects this year um but but no there's still some risk there mike williams the same thing a rob maybe i should have taken a rob there julian edelman in hindsight but I, I do like cup this is probably a bias of mine oh yeah I yeah but, but well, I, think you're, I think you're right i think he's gonna start slow so maybe that's you know looking into our crystal ball into the future if he starts slow pay attention now he starts because maybe he'll be a good bylaw low candidate early on in the season. Maybe his owners will be like, "Oh, I got to move that, on."
2: His uh, I have it marked like watch how a Cup starts and if he starts slow, start blasting out offers.
1: And that uh, that's probably a pretty popular narrative. I don't think this is the first time that you're But I hearing.
2: want I want like start slow to like week 7.
1: You want him to start slow until week 7?
2: I don't want that. I mean, I wish the best for the man, but uh if week 7 if he's still struggling and not his snap count is down heavily that's when I'm jumping. I'm not week 3 when he hasn't done anything people aren't going to change.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see how that Rams offense is this year for all kinds of reasons because the you know one of the the narratives that you hear is um I, I in Chicago anyway it, it's um Vic Fangio that gets credit for figuring out how to stop the Rams because the Rams came into Chicago and the Bears shut them down and Bill Belichick used that Bears blueprint to to shut down the Rams. I don't know if that's that, that's I don't know if that's true. I don't know if Vic Fangio. I've or heard that, it, but whether that's true or not, I think there is a, a blueprint out there how to how to stop the Rams. And of course, it's a lot easier when Todd Gurley is not playing to stop the Rams, right? Um, but maybe Todd Gurley they they're going to certainly limit his carries. We don't know what Henderson Henderson's going to be like. But do they change that offense? Do they? Does he adapt? Because McVeigh is going to change his team. You know, he's not just going to, like, roll out the same thing. I would think he would learn his lesson. So, does that mean one of those three wide receivers there, um, you know, s- sees less targets? And early on, could that be Cooper Cup because he's come off injury? I mean, that's a concern. I mean, I'm writing a narrative here, I know. but
2: um, Which is totally fine. And that's also another point, to, And it's actually core cool because it brought this up. It even pointed out that they're integrating uh, Gerald Everett more into the office, offense. And I think he could be coming into his third years a tight end, and that's just. And this is also to the complete assumption that Cooper Cup is going to follow the traditional. I believe he tore his ACL, and it was it was a little bit risky on the other ligaments. Uh, the traditional path to coming back. So, I think that Gerald Everett is like a move tight end in there. Uh, I'm pretty excited about for the start of the season.
0: I want to just say while we're talking about the Rams, you know, you, you kind of highlighted briefly, um, Will, earlier, Robert Woods, and now we're talking about Cooper Cup. You know, Brandon Cooks doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, Brandon Cooks, obviously, well-documented that he's been on three different teams. But if you look at Brandon Cooks, you know, he's been in the league for five years. He's only 25 years old, right? So, uh, essentially, as a 21-year-old rookie, he, you know, had 550 yards there for the Saints. And he's preceded each of the last four years – to put up over a thousand yards every single season and the last three years he's been with three different teams I mean it when you when you think about this day and age and look at wide receivers changing teams it's just incredible the production he continues. I I love Brandon Cooks he's he's one of those guys that I've acquired in several places this offseason I think you know he went as wide receiver 12 in this mock which I love to see I think he's finally starting to kind of come around and get the credit he deserves but you know, I feel like in, in some way, shape, or form, he. I think contractually he's the one that I think right now um, is locked up the longest term there in L.A., and um, I think that maybe we haven't even seen the best of Brandon Cook. So, he's a guy that I just, I, I like a lot. Like, he's not flashy. He's not had a, you know, 1,500-yard, 10-touchdown uh, season like some other wide receivers have. But, you know, all he's done is played, you know, 16 games each of the last four years, over 1,000 yards receiving, despite being traded twice. And, and you know, the other thing that I think is pretty remarkable is, you know, he's, he's garnered a first-round pick three times, right? The Saints took him in the first yeah. round. The, uh, the, I mean, I, how many other NFL wide receivers can say that they've had three first-round picks spent on them? So, uh, anyway, I just – little shout-out to Brandon Cook's love. He, you know, and I've seen in some drafts and in some leagues he's acquired, I think, a little bit too easily, too cheaply. So he he's a guy that I'd be looking to acquire, um, in in your leagues, if he's not being given the respect that he deserves, at least in in my opinion.
2: He's the strangest sort sort of journeyman wide receiver that we've seen.
0: Yeah, all and he it's does crazy is because, have success
2: and then get traded for a first round pick. It's just yeah, and I think very odd. It it it's either teams are undervaluing him or something we don't know that's happening with Brandon Cooks that he's capped out at like, what, like 11, 1200 yards.
0: And put it this way, he's a year older than Calvin Ridley. And he has already, (laughs) no, no, seriously. And he he already has 5,100 receiving yards and 32 touchdowns as an NFL wide receiver. And so, you know, I mean, he, he came into the league very young. And so, you know, he, he is really, most NFL wide receivers at his age are really just like in year three and he's going into year six. He's in one of the best offenses in the NFL. And, um, you know, I think that he could, he could continue to rise. So to later. value that
2: at the 401 in this startup, is that where you think is appropriate or think he should be like a mid third rounder or even like pushing early third?
0: I think that he probably, you know, for me, he's right there in that, like Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper range. So for him to go, you know, within six or eight picks of those guys, I, I can understand why. Um, you know, I, I, I think that those guys, there's, there's some questions surrounding those guys. I probably am liking Cooper at the front of that, you know, foursome. But for me, those guys are kind of all in their own tier of kind of younger guys that I think all still have really productive years ahead of them. Um, so I think it's fair. I don't. I wouldn't have complained if someone took him, you know, right there at, in the mid to late third. Uh, but I'm not going to say that at, at as the 12th wide receiver off the board in the super flex league at 401. I, I'm not saying like, oh, that's late. You know, I, I think that's a good spot for him.
1: Uh, maybe maybe which is, it's which is totally fine. Yeah, maybe it's because <laughs> and this and this is okay. So I looked at his finishes in PPR between 2015 and 2018 four seasons he finished 14th 11 15th and 13th so you're pretty much guaranteed he's going to be a top 15 wide receiver that's pretty great but maybe it's because you know like people can see a guy like Keenan Allen or, or Stefan Diggs being like a top five wide receiver and people look at him and they think okay I like Cooks but he's going to be a low-end wide receiver one high-end wide receiver two I want that on my team. Yeah. You know, for what you can get him for? I mean, the, yeah, maybe he's not going to be the overall, you know, top three, four, five wide receiver. But man, you know what you're getting. That can, <laughs> yeah. So How did that
2: get boring? Yeah, those finishes.
1: You know, but I, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I think trade that I cooks this guy I really like, and he's just you know kind of steady Eddie, and um, you know, high end steady Eddie really. So he's a great player. Do guys, do we kind of want to kind of run through the the rest of our teams, or maybe we just talk about like what the final team looks like because we had eight more rounds. I don't know, or, or if you want to highlight some some decisions you made in rounds nine through sixteen. This was just a sixteen team mock draft, of course, or sixteen team, excuse me, sixteen round mock draft. So, uh, other other thoughts, observations. Uh, who are you guys rolling out to starters?
0: Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll kind of highlight the rest of my team. So I. Following Tyreek Hill, I went ahead and took a tight end. I, I was kind of planning to get get a third quarterback in there. But, uh, you know, once the, I was on the clock there uh, in the ninth round, like the best quarterbacks available were like, you know, Brady, Dalton, Rosen. And so I just decided at that point I was going to continue. David Njoku was on the board there. And, and he's a guy that I still – I mean, David Njoku's only 22 years old. I mean, he's been in the league for two years already. And he's he is in. What I believe is probably going to be one of the most exciting offenses in the NFL in the next three years. So he came into the league raw. I think a lot of people are giving up on him. I think he's a value right now. So to get a guy, I mean, he has tight end two, tight end three upside, right? I'm not saying he's going to get there. So I was pretty excited to get Injoku there as, as the tight end nine with the talent, the upside he has in that offense. Like I think some great things could be in store for Injoku. Um, and then the, the next two guys I took are guys that I think have some upside there's some risk but you know again your rounds 10 and 11 that's Royce Freeman and James Washington you know it, it wouldn't surprise me if Royce Freeman is a wide receiver I mean uh, yeah it would surprise me if he's a wide receiver one this year but it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a top 15 running back this year um, I, I, I can't say that I'm predicting it it's probably more likely that he's a wide receiver or a running back too but also wouldn't surprise me if next year he's replaced in the NFL draft you know um, but but to be able to get him there is my you know RB4 and then James Washington and Larry Fitzgerald were my next two picks and, and that was just kind of you know Washington's the high upside guy in, in that offense in Pittsburgh that should kind of assume that wide receiver two role um, Larry Fitzgerald uh, you know I think is a guy that can offer some production since I, I'm a little bit weaker at, at wide receiver so you know th- those are probably the picks that I would highlight I, I kind of felt like those solidified my team, and, and those are, you know, all four guys that are likely going to be used in my starting lineup.
1: I, I got a question about <clears throat> David Njoku, and, and I think he is interesting. He's got, he's got immense talent. You're, you're right about that. And he's he's still – what did you say he was, 23? He's, he's, I,
0: he's, I believe he's 22. I, okay, I don't, yeah. Don't, no, don't no don't you might be right
1: about that. that. But he's – anyway. He turns
0: 23 he, this offseason, okay. next
1: month. Perfect. So he went in between the Iowa tight ends, the rookies. He went, TJ Hawkinson went as a tight end eight in the beginning, I think the start of the eighth round, end of the eighth round, excuse me. And then um, Noah Fant went later in the 10th round. Um, so, you know, he's kind of in between those guys, in between the tight end eight and the tight end 11 in this draft. And they're all younger tight ends. Um, I'm curious. Will you're the the Iowa guy here? Where do you rank N'Joku among those Iowa tight ends? The oh, way below. Way below. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh,
2: I, I think we're going to see a lot, a lot come to fruition this year with David N'Joku, And I'm not a strong enough tight end take type of person, or evaluator, or even like trying to take what you can see uh, through production and targets and things like that. I think he's going to have some opportunity there, but I, I think he also has a really great opportunity to flop. Uh, we've, we've seen some flashes of David Njoku, but we've seen him also get uh, loose snaps to Seth DeValve, you know, there in his second year. I know he's super young, but when you're putting somebody else, it's like the camera great OJ Howard, but I don't think that David Njoku's OJ Howard as far as a complete game. So I think on upside – Great pick. His athleticism is off the charts, and he's super young. And he's coming into his third season on an offense that has dynamically changed in the Cleveland Browns. So, I mean, I, if you took Njoku in front of Hawkinson, I would have no problem with that whatsoever. Uh, I think even think taking Hawkinson in front of Njoku, if you're looking for any immediate production, could be a mistake. So, that's kind of where I end up on the tight ends. I mean, it's, it's a soft opinion, but uh, – I think no, I would take. I think I'd take Injoku over in front of potentially Hunter Henry. I think Hunter Henry has a, has a really great opportunity this year to disappoint.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting. We were talking about this in um, this um, startup auction that that Trey and I are in, and we were talking about tight ends, and people were talking about how some people think George Kittle is going to regress big time, and, and, and someone was implying that you know he might drop out of the top three, and I and I basically made a comment like, "Well, I mean." oh maybe he said you know he he was outside of his top five tight ends and i'm like well who do you put up there you know it, like I, like because i think we can feel pretty good about the top three and you can argue where Kittle belongs if you want to but you know I, I think there are questions after that like with with all these guys with evan ingram and oj howard and hunter henry and yeah there's potential for these guys really boom but i, I don't know it's it's just such an interesting landscape and you hear more and more about leagues that are starting that, that you start two tight ends and how that's becoming more and more normal. And I don't really like that so much because I just, it's so hard just to start one tight end for me. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're making it such a premium. It's, I don't know. I I guess it makes it interesting. I guess it gives guys like, um, That's what people said when you're moving to superflex. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. So, so anyway, Um, (laughs) well, why don't we move on? and um will do you want to talk about you know some some of your later picks here how you finished making up your team did you get any more running backs at all how many did you end up with total <laughs> uh
2: so yeah i scooped up some super big values Not, not, not really so marking room was the 805 swinging back around to the 908 i i went ahead in ppr picked up james white and this might be up there for one of my bigger regrets of the draft, but looking at it, it, it might not be as bad, but I, I wouldn't have minded taking like Chris Carson with a clear at least opportunity to the starting role there in Seattle. Let's say Rashad Penny takes a little bit longer to develop. He still has a very, very massive role, but I, re- I still am a, a fan of James White. So taking him in the ninth round at the 908, we're pretty far into this draft. Uh, I have no running backs and it's PPR. So I feel like that's a, at least a safety pick. And then this is where the, the kind of pivot happened, too. And, Ryan, I wasn't really thinking about your team because we talked a little bit about our strategies beforehand. But uh, I, 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 I kind of went into a mode where I was like, okay, I want nobody to get any more of the value of QBs. There's very few left. But coming around to the next time, I just took Joe Flacco. I feel like he has a couple years starting in front of him. I'm not overly concerned about Drew Locke and a second round QB coming in and taking over. Uh, overall i still think joe flacco is a good enough qb to be a starter for the next few years so and then it swung back around uh from the 10th to the 11th and again this might have been uh a little bit getting too gung-ho into the nobody's getting a value pick so <laughs> I feel i'm hitting. and again this is or, or this is just not one that i'm overly proud of uh overall i think i could have scooped up another running back here Or an older wide receiver to fill one of those roles. Like, I look at the players that went after him. Uh, I think this was a mistake. But I was still, like, I just don't want somebody to get Eli Manning and be able to start him at any point. I want people to have to trade me. Uh, This is, I thought, created a very interesting team. So I I, I scooped him up. And then I went Duke Johnson in the 12th. And that was just gambling on a trade. And that he is going to eventually switch teams here in the near future. So. I, I, he has no clear path to starting in Cleveland. He, he gets some fast-down work. He's still holding out and asking for a trade. But in the 12th round of a startup, with his profile, and, and he's finished as an RB1 in the past, oddly enough, in PPR. So I wanted to skip that up. Uh, Andy Isabella, this comes from one of the 4 for 4 articles where he has a really great, uh, basically, percentile chance to produce in his first three years in the NFL. So I went with Andy Isabella uh, in the 13th, and then Devin Funches, 14th. Upside touchdowns. Uh, Mark Andrews is my only tight end in the fifteenth, and then finished it off with uh, Chris Thompson from Washington.
1: Hey, for, for your only tight end, the guy you took in the fifteenth round, I, you know, your Mark Andrews is starting to get some buzz, and I'm intrigued by Mark Andrews. Of course, there's a chance that doesn't work out because they've got some other options to tight end there in Baltimore, but I think that's a that's a good late round tight end pick, you know, and a guy that's you know second year that showed some flashes.
2: And I also realized I just ran through the whole rest of the list, but I figured let's, let's bang it out quickly.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the idea here. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll t- talk more about your QB picks when I talk about my, my picks. But, Trey, you have any reactions to any of these well, later picks?
0: That's the comment about D- D- uh, Duke Johnson real quick. I, you know, I'm beginning to really – he's kind of a do not. He's kind of a, becoming an avoid for me. You know, he, he's been – you know, I, I think that there was a story that just came out Yesterday that I read, and and essentially like he said, now he is citing irreparable harm to the relationship because the tr- the front office put him on the trade block. Like he's like, I want to be somewhere I'm wanted, and you know, to be honest, to me that's just not like running backs are so replaceable, and I think that teams that could potentially be trading for him are kind of like, well, w- what happens when we want to trade him? Like then he's just, you know, I I just think that anytime you hear a player saying those kind of things. I mean, you have to realize if you're a player in the NFL and you're under contract, you're an asset. And they could trade you at any point in time. And so I kind of feel like and I'm, you know, I'm kind of thinking, you guys remember in draft day where the uh the quarterback, what was his name? Bo. Bo, um oh shoot. Anyway, he's you know he he starts sliding in the draft and he storms out and and P. Diddy, who's his agent, goes out there and he's like, man, you got to get back in there. Teams don't want to see someone that gets rattled, you know. I think it's kind of the same thing. Like, who wants a player on their team that's going to be complaining about being put on the trade block? So, I just – and it's, it's kind of sad because he's been pretty productive, especially in, in PPR formats. But, you know, he's just a guy that, for me, I, I just don't – you know, I mean, I guess if you're on waivers, it might be worth taking a shot on. But I just
1: – Well, in his in his defense, he is showing up. I mean, he, he is showing up um, – you know, you know, and participating in team activities. So it's not like he is. Uh, yeah, like, no, like of he is. last year. So
0: well, uh, but because he's I mean, not a big enough star. I no, mean, I know. he, he I doesn't. he's not going to get paid. But to, to go on record and say to the media, like I'm upset with the organization because they put me on the trade block. I, I mean, come on, man. Like I get it. Like your feelings are hurt, but
1: let's, <laughs> like, dude,
0: it's it's business, and I just, and I just, it, I think that's a bad look. And I yeah, think there's a I lot of front two. offices. I think there's a lot of front offices, especially front offices that you kind of want a player to go to, that are going to look at that and be like, "No chance." There's just too many options at running back. That they're just, you know, I well, think he has decent money stuff. coming
2: to him too in Cleveland. Yeah. So if anything, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'm totally going to relax and not like get a bunch of concussions and tear like both knees up." And I'll I'll take my contract and then maybe when I'm like slightly older. Sign another deal, and if playing times the issue, somebody will start you eventually for the right price uh, but he was so he was running back forty three overall, which i I have no problems with there like, um, kind, of, kind of where he's coming off the board so
1: oh, and and the other thing too, let's say he gets traded to, you know you hear Tampa Bay floated out there or something like that. There are some situations where he's a talented running back if he gets traded to the right situation his value could spike. And even if you don't want to keep him on your team, he could be a guy you could flip. I mean, he gets traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You don't think his value, you know, spikes and you can, you can flip him for, for something. But, what, oh, team, I think you could. what
2: team loves bloated running back contracts? Duke Johnson's going to the Niners.
1: <laughs> they, yeah. They could use another running back. That's for sure. Oh, man. Uh man. Let, let me talk about the rest of my team quickly. So I'm win now. And well, it's funny you mentioned, you know, Joe Flacco, because I was thinking in the ninth round, like, oh, I, I need to get probably a, like a third quarterback for my roster. But then I see Chris Carson sitting there. And I'm like, you know, for a win that team, Chris Carson, you know, right now he's the Seattle starting running back. Sign me up. So I took Chris Carson. And, and there was another guy I almost took there. That's Darrell Henderson. And I'm like, this is a win now. But, man, maybe I should, I should handcuff Gurley with Henderson you know, if, if this were a real team to play out, it would be nice to have Henderson. So I drafted Henderson in the tenth round. So I missed my window at Flacco, and then you took Flacco. So, and then coming back around, I had no chance at Manning because he took Manning. So then Dallas Goddard is on the board in the eleventh round, and I'm like, well, what if what if Ertz goes down? And then Goddard's going to be you know a oh. guy that's going to step So I'll, I'll handcuff Ertz with Goddard. You know, this is my win now This is my one chance, guys. Before my team just goes to the toilet. So I got to handcuff my, as many people as I can. So I did that. Um, then the rest of the guys I took, I, I, you know, I took Debo, Samuel, wide receiver 46. I think he has a chance to contribute in 2019. Um, uh, uh, LaShawn McCoy, uh, you know, shady in case he has uh, anything left in the tank. Uh, Geronimo Allison, the Illinois product, right, in Green Bay. He could be the wide receiver two there for the Packers, and he's getting, starting to get some hype right now. Uh, we'll we'll see I, I i love you know since he's an my product i would love to see Jerome allison do something in green bay i don't know i think that's maybe some people should pump the brakes on him but here in the 14th round i'll take Jerome allison why not then ap and then uh, dart throw uh, darwin thompson the chief him late but you know you hear good reports i don't know there's a chance right he could explode so that's my team And I think I can put together a pretty competitive starting lineup. I I don't know about after 2019, but I I think I'll compete 2019 with this team. So anyway, guys, final thoughts about this mock draft. Um, What what did you learn about thinking differently? Did you you learn anything that's going to make you rethink the way you do a startup draft well, now that you took a different approach? You now kind you, of you've been kind of in the camp of I'm gonna take this Bell Cow kind of running backs early. Are you thinking looking at your start, like yeah maybe I would think about taking a couple of wide receivers and quarterbacks, or you're still like team Bell Cow?
2: <laughs> uh, probably potentially mostly team Bell Cow, and it, maybe in the second round, though, not the first. Or I actually really liked locking up these core, I, I really enjoyed this draft having the, the quarterback dominance as far as just amounts Um, potentially teams can get desperate later on in the season. And this could be that kind of, I think maybe I should have reached a little bit more towards the future with running backs uh, and just gone for a full, you know, young quarterback tank with, with skill position players in the first season and then moving those quarterbacks for picks later on that will now turn into great young running backs on the team. So that, that was a very interesting strategy. I, it will change. I do think it'll change a little bit what I do because I, I did learn some things from it. Um, one of my biggest misses though from this draft, and I'm upset about it, is I took uh, Duke Johnson over Carlos Hyde. Or I missed out on Carlos Hyde. Yeah. I believe that's how I missed out on, on Carlos Hyde. I'm a big, and I know this is conversation has been pounded over and over and over again, I think Carlos Hyde is one of the cheapest upside draft picks you can get in a dynasty startup.
1: Yeah. 14th round here. Um, The end of the 14th round, as a matter of fact. So um, yeah, yeah, I mean, running back 54. Interesting. Trey, what about you? What did you learn from this exercise? Anything that's going to change your approach?
0: No, not really. I mean, I – I'm pretty I'm pretty locked in it it, it well it did one of the things that continues to reinforce and and this is something that I I think I shared with you guys that I learned in another startup I did um one of the ones I was referencing earlier is you know when when you are moving around and and trading down you know for for me you know referencing those those trades where guys wanted to do two for two right so they, they wanted to not give – they they didn't want to give a, a fifth and a seventh for my third. They wanted to give a, a fifth and a seventh for my third and my tenth. But, but what I did in, in those – in that particular draft, I remember there was one in particular that I had like 13 picks that I'd made by the end of the tenth round, and then I didn't have another pick. I think between rounds 11 and 15, I only had one draft pick and then picked again in round 16. But the great thing was that my targets in that range were like Damian Harris and Alexander Madison. And I got both of those guys. Like I would have taken them in the 11th round and I got them in rounds 13 and 16. And so, you know, there's that moment in that draft where you've made 13 picks or 14 picks. I can't remember which it was before the end of round 10. And you're kind of like, crap, I don't pick for like, you know, 35 picks. It was some obscene. But then as picks were coming across my email, like, okay, I wouldn't take that guy. I wouldn't take... And it was like all of these picks, and I kind of began to realize that rounds like eleven through fifteen are kind of like a no man's land for me in startups like the the drop off between rounds like eight through ten and rounds like eleven through fifteen. So what it said to me is kind of kind of know where adp sits and know where those zones are, and when you do look to trade down, you know maybe maybe you're trading down from the second to the third and you're picking up like a sixth, well, see if you can get like a, a, a 10 and 12 swap in there too. Right. You, you may think well, moving up from maybe the early 12th to the late 10th is not a big deal, but when you start to look at the players in that range of ADP, it is a big deal. So I, I think for me, and, it, and this kind of reaffirm that if you start looking, you know, here in, in, you know, the rounds 11 through 13, there's, just, you know, it's just really hard to find guys that you're pretty confident about clicking in your starting lineup yet. You know, if you take three quarterbacks in the first 10 rounds and it's a 10-starter league, you're starting guys in round 11 and 12 that you're selecting, and that's without injuries, right? I mean, maybe you're selecting – if there's an injury or two, you you might be starting a guy you picked in round 14. So, you know, anytime you can get two or three extra picks inside the top 10 rounds, um I think it's a, a great opportunity to really upgrade your roster. Um, So that, that's kind of my – this this – um, draft kind of reiterated that to me because when I got on the clock in those rounds, you know, after essentially round 10, you know, you're looking at your options. You're kind of like, Holy cow. Like, I mean, it's like close your eyes and just pick. So, I mean, there, there's guys I liked better than others in that range, but you, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. The recent DLF podcast, it, it has to do with auctions and auction strategy. And th- this is not an auction of course, but, but one of the things that Ryan McDowell said on that was that with, you know, auctions are so unique because it's, you can do things to prepare for the auction and kind of guess what values are, but you don't really know how guys are going to be valued until you start the auction. It could be a couple people that can totally throw things off. Whereas when you do a, like a, a snake startup like this, yeah, you don't know exactly who's going to be picked where, but you generally have a pretty good idea like, you know, the, that where you pick, there's going to be maybe like six or seven guys in that range that should be there. And that is the advantage you have for a, a draft like this is that you can prepare and sit down and do mocks like this and, and, and really know ADP and, and plan accordingly. So I, I think that that's a, a good reminder for me. And, that, and that's one of the things I, I was forced myself to do with this draft with the idea of I'm going to win now, where do I think those quarterbacks going to land? And I was confident that, in the seventh and the 7th and 8th, I could get two veteran quarterbacks I liked for my team, and I was right, and that had to do with planning. So we talk about planning for an auction. You can plan for a start of draft like this as well, because you can have an idea where guys are going to go, go off the board. So those things kind of tie in hand in hand. So for me, it's just about being prepared and planning and being engaged, because if, you if you're not engaged, uh, the system will pick for you after several hours. <laughs> but, so anyway. I'm a um, huge
2: proponent of auction, and especially when you can trade, trade auction dollars. In in that draft for potentially new first round picks, and this is even outside of the one where uh, Trey you were trading tra- 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 a lot of money in a contracts league, just a straight up dynasty startup auction to set the market. Because I was in one where it was a 14 team super flex league, setting the market on a first round pick was a very very fun and interesting process, like those kind of things. And then you learn a little bit more about your league mates. The the, the chat's going uh, significantly heavier, in my opinion. And I, I feel like a snake draft is not the best way to value picks. It's, it's a really go, great way to gain value if you know what you are doing to trade down and get those picks later. But an auction brings out the true, like, economy of a dynasty league, and that, that I, I really enjoy that.
1: Yeah, auctions are, are the best. And with that, let's get out of here, guys. Um, we are at Joe's on Twitter. We're the Fantasy Joes. We appreciate you listening. You can also become a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com slash fantasyjoes and check it out. Patreon supporters get a bonus episode twice a month during the offseason, so you want to check that out. So on behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes. Meet yourself
2: up and fly the old.